Good morning. My name is Devin Kahn. I'm one of the pastors here. Merry Christmas, right? A week away. A week from Christmas. And because of this, we are going to be talking about Christmas according to Isaiah. That's the series that we're in. So if you will, turn in your scriptures to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. If you don't have a Bible, you can find one below you in the pew underneath you. Isaiah chapter 35. The book of Isaiah is filled with prophecies of judgment. It's the judgment that for both Israel and the surrounding nations is coming to them because they did not put their trust in the Lord. The northern kingdom of Israel has already experienced the judgment of God at the hands of the Assyrians. And now the southern kingdom... Judah is being warned of a similar ending, of a similar fate if they don't repent of their sin, of not trusting the Lord. But Isaiah is also filled with prophecies of redemption for God's people. And Isaiah 35, what we'll be looking at this morning, is one of those. It comes after Isaiah chapter 34, which is a prophecy of judgment. But Isaiah 35 is a prophecy of of redemption, that God's people will come back home, they will be restored. So now let's go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 35, but before we do so, let's pray. Holy Spirit, convict us. Holy Spirit, teach us. Holy Spirit, show us the way. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 35, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. And make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. It's December 17th, about a week before Christmas. And on such an important occasion, I want to share with you a poem. 
a poem that I wrote and the poem and a poem that has a sad ending to spoil it for you. Twas the week before Christmas when all through the town were sad tidings of no joy and faces with frowns. Twas the week before Christmas when all through the steeple not a creature was happy, not even God's people. It's a sad thought when you see non-Christians not being able to get to enjoy Jesus. It's sad to see non-Christians not get it. But what's even more sad is when Christians forget and when Christians don't experience the joy of knowing Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 35, Isaiah is addressing a people who have wronged God. He's addressing a people that, and he's announcing judgment is going to come for all who do not trust in the Lord. This judgment includes all the nations that would rather, would rather trust in their own power or in their own security or another nation's power and security and not trust in the Lord's power for security. As I've mentioned, the northern kingdom has already experienced this judgment of the Lord and the southern kingdom is close to experiencing this judgment. The Israelites have gone astray from trusting in the Lord and so have we. We are just like the dumb Israelites. God has been so good to us. He has brought us out of slavery. He has rescued us from death. And in return, we don't trust him. We don't look to him. We are so busy trusting in ourselves. So busy doing what we feel is right for our life. The Bible calls this sin. As Pastor Mercer mentioned last week, the essence of sin is putting ourselves only where God deserves to be. We have wronged God. We've attempted to take his place on the throne. So when prophecies of judgment are being announced, in one sense, God's people should be a little nervous because they too have gone astray, just like the other nations. There is, in one sense, a valid reason to be discouraged, to be a Christian sitting in this room and feeling weak and anxious about their future. Even the question, are you sure that you're a Christian, usually doesn't produce much joy in people. It's a question that usually produces high levels of anxiety. Well, what if I'm not? What if God won't forgive me for doing this? Oftentimes, as Christians, we find our levels of anxiety high and our levels of joy low. God has a message this morning through Isaiah to us. God has a message to his people, and it's this. Be encouraged, because joy will come to God's people. Christian, be encouraged, because joy will come to God's people. What exactly is this joy that will come? Well, to the Israelites, in this passage, the immediate joy that's going to come is 
deliverance from their judgment to the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Deliverance from exile. That is the immediate joy that is going to come. And the prophecy will come true in the near future to Israel to come home from their judgment back into their land. But in the more distant future, there is a joy that will come that is greater. And his name is Jesus. The greater deliverance through Jesus Christ is in this passage, is referenced in this passage, is fulfilled in this passage. And so that is the future. That is the better future. That is the greater deliverance. And so I want to unpack this joy that God's people will always have because of Jesus' coming, because of Jesus' advent. So here are three reasons given in this text for God's people to be encouraged. First, Be encouraged because God's people will always have a clean past. Second, be encouraged because God's people will always have a joyful purpose. And third, be encouraged because God's people will always have a perfect future. So first, God's people will always have a clean past. Look at verse 4 with me. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Now, if Isaiah had just said to the the people of God, hey, don't be nervous, don't be anxious, God will save you. That sounds good. That sounds right. But that's not what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, God, God's people, don't be nervous. Don't be anxious. For God's judgment is coming. For God's payback is coming. But he will save you. That's a different message. There's more depth to that message. There's something revealing about that message. There's something comforting. In that message. According to verse 4, God's payback is coming to all who have a dirty record. To all who have distrusted God as their Lord and Savior, God is going to avenge his name. God will not be mocked. God is going to get payback. His glory shall not be tarnished or mocked. But the message to God's people is that, yes, God's payback is coming, but God will save you. God will save his people. And in verse 8, look there with me, please. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. That's where I get the word clean from. Because it's saying that the road that is marked out for Christians to walk in this life is reserved for the clean, not the unclean. And so if you're going to be a Christian in this life and you are going to walk along the road unto heaven eventually, you will have to be clean. Because none of the unclean will set foot on this road, on this path, on this life called the Christian life. So you have to be clean. And there is only one way to become clean. Jesus is the way. 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. You see, Jesus, what he does with his coming is that he expunges our dirty record. He removes it. But he doesn't just remove it, he replaces it. Because if he just removed our dirty record and our dirty past, all that would mean is that we have no past now. But he removes the dirty record and puts on a clean record, puts on a clean past in our place. He replaces it with his own past, with his own life. God's payback is coming. And his payback is not directed at God's people. God's payback is directed at God's enemies. And that's why Jesus on the cross, had to become an enemy of God in that moment because God's payback was paid in full and Jesus paid it. God's payback is coming and it's not directed to God's people. It's directed to God's enemies. And that's why Jesus had to become an enemy of God on the cross where God poured forth his vengeance. For God's people, God's favor, protection, love, and help is for you, God's people. His people brought into the family by the blood of Christ spilled for the payback that we deserved. Driving around looking at Christmas lights and looking at different houses, a sign that you will often come across in this season is Jesus is the reason for the season. This is a helpful sign. Right? This is a helpful, profitable sign to see because you're like, oh, right, all of this, it is about Jesus. Oh, yeah, I remember now. So it is helpful. But the sign itself doesn't necessarily get at the good news of the gospel. So I took the liberty of trying to come up with a better sign that captures the good news of the gospel in my mind. Here's the option that I came up with. Jesus is the Savior for the sinners. Because in this sign, or in this phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. Oh yes, this is about Jesus, but there's no context. There's no, what did Jesus do for me? Where's the bad news and where's the good news? One of the most famous sermons, famous sermons ever preached was by Jonathan Edwards, and it was entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Imagine seeing that on someone's front yard. Yeah, a very different picture. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. It's a different, it's a different message. It includes different aspects of the, of the good news of the gospel. Now, if you combine the two, Jesus is the reason for the season and sinners in the hands of an angry God. Now you have the gospel, right? Because we are sinners and God's wrath is coming and his anger is directed at all those who wrong him. And yet Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the savior for the sinners. Because of the coming of Jesus, God's people will always have a clean past. So what should we do? I think it calls, this passage calls for us to pray. 
Pray that God would reveal more of our sin so that the old news that we've heard many times will become good news once more. Pray to God that he would reveal more of your sin so that you and I would understand more of how we so deserve the wrath of God, the vengeance of God, God's payback to us, and then we will celebrate once more what Jesus has done for us, the good news. Read the oracles of judgment in Isaiah and know that that could be, that should be you, that should be me, that receives the judgment of God. And instead, Jesus took it for us. God's people will always have a clean past, but there's more. So secondly, God's people will always have a joyful purpose. Look at verses 5 through 9 with me. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. Let's pause there for a second. When Jesus came down, he is clearly the fulfillment of this text. Because when Jesus came down, Jesus restored the sight of the blind. Jesus restores the hearing of the deaf. Jesus restores running to the lame. Jesus restores voice to the mute. Jesus is the clear fulfillment of this text. Because God tabernacled down to us. He brought his presence, his glory from heaven to us that we may see his glory. And he brought his glorious presence down to us and his name is Jesus. And so what is our joyful purpose? God's people will always have a joyful purpose in the present. Right now, we have a joyful purpose. Always. What is that purpose? We'll look at verses 8 and 9. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. What is our joyful purpose? Our joyful purpose is to walk on God's highway of holiness. It is to walk according to the law of the Lord. It is to walk in holiness. It is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is our joyful purpose. It's easy to forget the last part of that, right? If I were to ask you, what is the chief end of man or what is man's purpose? You, I may say to you, oh, it's to glorify God. And we would say, amen, glorify God. But then we leave off the last part and enjoy him forever. It's not just a purpose that we have to, okay, fine, I'll do that. It is a joyful purpose. Glorifying God leads, causes, results in joy. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? Because just like God delivered his people from the Egyptians and then proceeded to lead them through the desert and wilderness by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, we now have a God who is leading us on this road. We now have a God 
in this life who is leading us as we walk this road. And there is comfort in that because we will never be destroyed. We will never be thrown off this road. We can't. And the only reason why we can't is because God is with us and no one can stop God. No one can snatch his people from his hands. God will help you along this joyful purpose. Be encouraged because God is the one who will produce flowers in the desert. Right? We know from the biblical story that it started in a, in a beautiful garden. And because of what we chose to do, we, we ended up in a desert. We ended up in a place where there are no flowers, there is no life, there is no joy, but only brokenness and emptiness. That is what we chose. And yet, be encouraged, God's people. God will produce flowers out of the desert of which we find ourselves in. Verse 1 and 2 shows that. That in the most unlikely places, God is producing fruit and he is using you and his people to do beautiful things in his land. This is a cause to sing. So what should we do? Well, do you really believe that God's way is the one and only joyful way? Do you feel like you'd rather not share this good news with people because you're not quite convinced that it is really going to lead that person to true joy along the road of their life? This would be a good time for you and I to examine the areas of our lives that we are not submitting to him. Be encouraged, God's people. God is producing An abundance of flowers along the road. What an amazing thing that God gives us an incredible purpose that leads to incredible joy in the here and now. So not only will God's people always have a clean past and a joyful purpose now, but there is more. Lastly, God's people will always have a perfect future. Where is this road headed? Glory. The best things that you and I can say to each other, let's say a teacher sees a student getting good grades and, and the teacher may say to the parent, I think, I think he has a bright future. Or you see someone on the athletic fields that clearly has some talent and you say to the parent, that boy has, some, that, that boy has a bright future. That's the best we can offer to people. And even then, we have no idea. We just, just sounds really good and we're hopeful. But God says to his people, be encouraged, for you will always have a perfect future. We're clearly not there yet, right? We're clearly not there yet. On Wednesday, I'm driving home for lunch, and I pass by two funeral processions, processions, and I'm seeing the cars passing by, and I'm just imagining the amount of sorrow and the amount of size in, that, in each of those automobiles. On Thursday, a famous teacher and preacher, R.C. Sproul, passed away. And, and I know he's affected many, many, many Christians. And so there was some sadness and some sighing that took place on Thursday for the people here. 
On Friday, one of my friends tells me he's having shoulder surgery next week. On Saturday, I'm sighing because of car troubles. We are clearly not there yet. Sorrow and sighing still very much exist. But that's not the only reason that we are not always overwhelmed with joy and gladness. Look at verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The fact that sorrows and sighs still exist today is a big reason why we are not overwhelmed with joy. But that's not the only reason. The other reason is that we are not in the presence of the full glory of God. That's what makes people sing. That's what you see in verses 1 and 2. They're rejoicing over because they have seen the majesty of God in verse 3 and 4. The blind see, the mute shout. There is rejoicing because one day we will see the full glory of God. To quote R.C. Sproul, The final goal of every Christian is to be allowed to see what was denied to Moses. We want to see him face to face. We want to bask in the radiant glory of his divine countenance. God's people, be encouraged because one day this goal will be realized. As it is now realized for R.C. Sproul, God's people, be encouraged because God will finish what he started. There's nothing that can stop you from getting to this final glorious destination because God is with you and no one can stop our God. Joy will come to God's people, so be encouraged. If you are sitting here, and I know there are people in this room that are not one of God's people. So if you are not one of God's people, I beg you, I plead with you, consider these things because the Bible is very clear that joy will not come to you. In fact, the opposite will come. God's payback for sin is coming. And he will avenge his name that has been drugged through the mud by every living creature from their deeds of darkness. Not God's people. You can have a clean past. You can have a joyful purpose now and a perfect future. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Saved from God's payback. God's people, be encouraged. Because though God's payback is coming, Jesus is saving. And so Christians, rejoice. Joy has come and his name is Jesus. Towards the week before Christmas, when all through the town, the redeemed of the Lord went forth with joyful sounds. Let's pray. God, you are so good to those who don't deserve it. You have been so good to me. Forgive me, Lord, for forgetting the joy that I have. 
for forgetting how good it really is to be one of your people. God, you have given me a clean past, and not just today, but forever. No matter at what point in my life, you will tell me, I love you, you have a clean past because of what Jesus did for me. That as a Christian, in my Christian life, my worst moment and my best Christian moment, you love me the same because you will always give me a clean past because of what Jesus accomplished. And Lord, thank you that today I am not aimless. I am not without purpose. I am not wondering which direction I should go. You have given me a direction. And that direction, by your grace, leads to joy. So thank you. Help us to glorify you and enjoy you forever. And Lord, Jesus, come back. Come back soon because we cannot wait. Help us to not be so comfortable with this life, to be so attracted to the things in this world, but help us to anticipate the glory that will come. And Lord, thank you that you will always be with us. And there's no chance that anyone, not even ourselves, or Satan himself, can grab us off the road to eternal joy. Return to me the joy of my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.